Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear our sermon from our current series, The Book of James. As we read through James, we'll see how our faith in Christ should do more than just change the way we think, it should change the way we live. We hope you find this podcast meaningful. We'd love to hear how God is touching people's lives. Just go to our website at www.valleybrook.cc, select Contact Us, and send us an email. Good morning, everybody. I'm Clark Poff. I'm one of the pastors here this morning. I'm glad you're here. Let me just jump right in. Pastor Kerry Newhoff is an author and he's written a book and he talks about his uh, journey from being proud to being humble. And and it happened while he was on a self-imposed spending fast. That's right. Um, He said, uh, I can spend money with the best of them and my appetite for more seems to be constant in my life. So I thought uh, I would do one year of no discretionary spending, that it would be a good thing for me. And he said, my basic rules were this, no new clothes, just secondhand, uh, no new technology, and no new optional items. And, and, I, and I give you that basic information to sort of inform the story that he shares. He said, uh, three months into my fast, I was heading to an appointment. And I was about an hour from home, and when the hot tea that I had been sipping uh, slipped out of my hands, and this wasn't a little spill. Uh, He said, my pants were soaked. It was like an invisible hand reached over and poured the tea all over my clothes. And the stain was effectively placed to make it uh, look like that I had been unable to get to a restroom in time. And so, he says, I immediately thought, and he he sort of writes the ruminations of his mind. He said, I have a meeting. I need to go buy a new pair of pants. This definitely qualifies as an exception to my spending fast. I can't wear pants that are badly stained. There's no other alternative. Now, he writes, providentially, I drove by a Walmart, so I turned into the parking lot and parking my car, I started debating in my mind, and it went like this. You could wear those pants, you know. They're just stained. No, 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 that would be embarrassing. Uh, I would never dress like this. And they are, after all, really stained. If I bought pants at Walmart, that doesn't even qualify as breaking a spending fast, does it? (laughs) Walmart's not the place where I normally go to buy clothes. It's not like I'm breaking the rules anyway, am I? But then sort of realizing what was going on in his heart, this is what he thought. So what's really driving this, Carrie? Basically, you want to protect your image. You're too embarrassed to be the guy with the big stain in an awkward location. And now you're an elitist about Walmart because you're too stylish to shop for clothes there. And he goes on, he says, Do you see how pride shows up in our lives? I mean, none of us wants to be seen in public with stained pants. We're afraid we'll be judged, dismissed, or humiliated. Nobody wants to be looked down on. We have reputations to protect and images to protect, even at Walmart. So he says, you know, pride pushed me through the door of Walmart, but as I walked in, I became even more conflicted and then increasingly convicted, and I relented. 
Instead of going to the men's closing section, I went to the men's restroom. And fortunately, I spotted one of those turbo air dryers mounted on the wall. And so I went in and I used hands of water to scoop on the spotted area of my affected pant leg and crotch area. And then he says, if anyone thought I might have wet my pants before, I had just removed all doubts. My pants were now drenched. So I spent the next 10 minutes at the automatic hand dryer, twisting and turning to get my pants dry. But to make matters worse, the dryer was positioned slightly outside of the door, giving the customers at several checkout lines a front row view to what I was doing. The stain largely disappeared, and I left the store mostly dry. And then he writes, my lesson that day, I got back into my car realizing how proud I am, how much I wrestle with pride. I really didn't want to be seen with dirty clothes, let alone leave anybody with the impression that I had become incontinent. I was afraid people would judge me or think less of me. I didn't have the humility to risk being misunderstood or judged or seen as uncool, not even for just an hour. Pride runs so deep. It's one of the cardinal sins that we humans have against God. And he said, pride made me believe these things. And listen to this. Pride made me believe that what others think about me matters more than what God thinks about me. Pride made me think God's love for me is not enough. Pride made me think God's approval for me is inadequate unless I have the approval of people. Pride made me think appearances count for a lot. And pride made me think I am what other people think I am. So here's the reality. We all deal with feelings of pride. Patrick Lencioni has uh, said this, pride is the root of all sin, but humility is the antidote for pride. So this morning, we're going we're gonna to dig into this whole idea of, of humility because it's so important. In the series that we're going through in the book of James, we're in the third chapter. We're beginning at verse 13. So if you want to open up your Bible app or a Bible to James 3.13, you can. And we're going to look at those scriptures. But here's the first point that I want to make this morning. If you want to be wise, be humble. That's countercultural. If you want to be wise... Be humble. Beginning at verse 13, James writes, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. 
So this is a, a little bit circular, this argument that James is putting forth. But he says this, if you want to be, high, if you want to be wise, be humble. And being humble comes from wisdom. If you want to be wise, be humble. And being humble comes from being wise. But, but isn't that true? Uh, James says we can show our wisdom by living a good life and by deeds done in humility. The, the Bible calls us to show the presence of spiritual wisdom in our lives by deeds of humility and goodness. The word for humility refers to a spirit of submission. Now, think this one through. Uh, it refers to a spirit of submission in humans rather than a spirit of, of arrogance and self-seeking. The person with humility, though, is not a doormat for the desires of others, but controls and overpowers the natural human tendency to be arrogant and self-assertive and proud. Now, if you go back to the original language that James wrote this in, it was the Greek, and the, and the word that we translate here, humility, is actually uh, the word meek. And, and before you push back on that and say, I don't want to be known as meek, remember this. Through Jesus, Christianity made meekness into a virtue. That's right, through Jesus. Because remember what Jesus said. He said, the meek will inherit the earth. Now, this is what Jesus meant by that. He meant that a, a follower of Jesus who relates to God with dependence and with contentment will reap God's abundant blessings. James even points out some things uh, that are not wise in this section. And we can see that they are not humble either. Uh, he says this, he says, harboring envy and, and having selfish ambition are neither wise nor humble. And in fact, he says, these behaviors don't come down from heaven, but they come from the source of evil, from Satan. He says they're earthly. He says they're unspiritual. He says they're demonic. They're the, the opposite of humble, which comes down from heaven. And because they're the opposite, he even goes further. If you uh, let that envy and that self-envisioned habits place in your life, it will also bring up disorder and evil practices. So we understand that uh, wisdom says we need to be humble. So if you want to be wise, be humble. And here's the second thing I want you to see. If you want to be wise, be full of good fruit. Be full of good fruit. Let's go back to James, verse 17 and 18. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace then reap a harvest of righteousness. So, as opposed to what we just read a few minutes ago in verse 15, uh, where that list uh, of those uh, attributes uh, were uh, not from heaven, they were earthly, they were unspiritual, they were demonic. This is what wisdom from heaven looks like. James 
returns to this idea. And this is so important for us to know because this is the theme through the entire book of James. He says, listen, it takes faith and action to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus. In other words, your faith informs how you live your life and you live your life out for Jesus as a follower. And so what we see here is this idea, again, that, that he returns to uh, faith requiring acts of faith. So it shouldn't be any surprise when we get to this section of chapter 3 and he tells us that to be wise, we're going to have to actively produce these good attributes, this good fruit. Let's look at what one scholar writes about this. He goes through this list and he says, true wisdom is free from self-interest and strife. And so the first of these eight uh, traits is the, the trait of purity. And people who seek true wisdom are pure in that they have put aside the vices of self-seeking, self-centered ideas. And they've set aside the idea of, of creating factionalism, having people in conflict with one another. This trait of purity then basically forms the foundation for the rest of the traits. And so let's look at those. Um, the first is peace-loving. If you have peace loving, it means uh, that you demonstrate a desire to promote peace between struggling groups of people, between struggling factions, uh, that you become a peacemaker. And remember, uh, I just, I'm always impressed at how James, the half-brother of Jesus, how his teaching reflects what he learned from his brother because Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. And so peacemaking shows a desire to promote peace between two groups of people that are struggling. And then we see this next attribute, this next fruit, considerate. Being considerate refers to being reasonable in the demands it makes on others. All right, being reasonable. Uh, next is submissive. Submissive indicates a willingness to learn from others by being open to reason. It means being willing to hear somebody out. And there's truthfully in the culture that we're living in right now, there's this absence of submissiveness in conversations. And when people disagree, they don't get, let the other person finish what they were saying before they jump in, they interrupt. Or they're not even listening, they're forming their rebuttal to what's being said. So he says that the fruit of humility and wisdom is submissiveness. And then he says, there's full of mercy. This is this trait that we offer compassion to those who are in distress. And then he says that we need to be good, full of good fruit. Again, it goes back to this idea that James all the time is that we need to live out our faith. And in this case, with kind actions and helpful deeds for others. And then the, the final two traits uh, describe this essential nature of true wisdom in itself. And the first is that true wisdom is impartial. It's without prejudice. It's unwavering in its commitment. And then the second one is sincerity. Uh, sincerity means that it's genuine and it's open to others, to their ideas, to their approaches. And then in verse 18, he circles back to this idea about peacemakers. It's, it's this idea that uh, if we're going to be wise and we're going to let uh, humility and good deeds rise up in us, 
We're going to seek to be peacemakers as Jesus was. It's just powerful. Now, ultimately, we need to see this, that, that true wisdom results in a harvest of righteousness, and that is uh, a conformity to God's will. It's this idea that we need to say, God, not my will, but your will be done, just like Jesus said. Not my will be done, but God, your will be done in my life. These are the traits of a sincere, wise person. Uh, they're the good fruit that someone who is wise will bear. And, and this is something that comes across in Scripture in other places. The, the Apostle Paul talked about this idea that as followers of Christ, we ne- need to let the, the Spirit of God uh, work in us to lead us and to guide us. Because when we came to faith, we were given a deposit. Uh, when, we, when you decide to believe in Jesus, God deposits the Holy Spirit in your life. And the Holy Spirit is there to be your teacher, to be your guide, and, and to be your comforter. And, and you know, the, I like to say this about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is gentle and kind. Um, the truth of the matter is that the Holy Spirit's not going to force things on you. Holy Spirit's not going to turn you into a robot and make you do what you don't want to do, but the Holy Spirit's going to nudge you and guide you. And then you can choose. You can choose to be faithful and obedient to the Spirit of God, or you can stiff-arm the Spirit. But all that the Holy Spirit has for you is good. And so there's this idea that we need to let the Holy Spirit guide us. So in the book of Galatians, Paul talks a lot about it. And, and I would encourage you on, in your own time with God to go back and read the fifth chapter of Galatians. But I'm just going to give you two verses. It's not going to be on the screen, so you might want to write these down. It's Galatians 5, 16 and 17. Galatians 5, 16 and 17. And just if you want to, just close your eyes and listen to this word. So I say... Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. So, Let me go back to the first phrase. So let the Holy Spirit guide you. If you want to be wise, let the Holy Spirit guide you. And the Holy Spirit will guide you to be humble and to do good deeds. You see, God's Spirit wants to work in us and to guide us to be wise. And so we need to let that happen through the Holy Spirit. Now, I shared with uh, folks at the first service, you you know, um, as I was preparing this message, I I, I candidly was struggling with how God wanted me to end this message. And I I share with you that illustration from Kerry Newoff uh, from a book that he's written. And and I had sort of scanned through the book. I'm reading it. And and I'd seen one of the future chapters, and it was called uh, The Habits of the Humble. And I thought, over the weekend, I thought, wow, I think God wants me to go look at that chapter. And, and, and so I go back and look at that chapter. And um, this is one of those times when you sense how the Holy Spirit leads you and how I didn't stiff arm the Holy Spirit. I, I listened to the Spirit. Because this whole chapter is built on James chapter 3 verses 13 through 18. He quotes it in the chapter, unknown to me. And so 
I said, okay, thank you, Lord. You, you've told me where we need to go. So I'm just going to summarize what he says are, are the habits of the humble. Because if we want to be wise, we need to be humble. If we want to be wise, we need to let the Holy Spirit guide us into living a humble life. So you know, listen to these. The first thing he says is this, never lose your gratitude. If you want to be humble, never lose your gratitude. And he writes this, scarcity creates gratitude. Scarcity creates gratitude and most of us live in relative abundance when we think about the entire world. When you feel you deserve something, and don't we all at some time, when you feel you deserve something, this should be our discipline. Force yourself to acknowledge that everything you have is a gift from God. Force yourself to remember that everything you have is a gift from God. The next breath you and I take in is a gift from God. When you woke up this morning, when I woke up this morning, it's another day. It's a gift from God. You know, when, when you drive home today, that car, that truck is a gift from God. Those relationships that you have, regardless of whether you feel like they are at their best or if you're struggling them, they're a gift from God. Don't take them for granted. Never lose your gratitude. So ask yourself this question at the end of every day. What should I be grateful for today? Reflect on your day and say, what should I be grateful for today? And then don't just write a list, then turn that list into a prayer. So write it down and then turn it into a prayer of gratitude to God. Here's the second habit, he says, that will help us be humble. Take the low place. Take the, the low position in life. He said, regardless of, of the position that you have in your life, regardless of any titles you have, he says, take the low position. Be willing to serve others in your family, in your neighborhood, at your place of employment, at your school. If you see somebody that needs help, help them. If you see something that needs picking up or cleaning up, do it. Don't wait for somebody else to do it. Take the low position. Be willing to do something that others would think is above, uh, excuse me, below them. Be willing to take the low place. And then he says this, if you've been blessed in life, share it with others. Whatever you've been blessed with, share it with others. So never lose your gratitude. Take the low place. And here's the third thing. Open your notebook. And what does that mean? Open your notebook. He says this. He says, if you're going to be humble, you need to be teachable. He says, when you're arrogant, when you're prideful, really what that means is you're insecure and you look at everybody else's competition. And so you're, you're not teachable. Um, you're not willing to hear from them. You're not willing to let them speak into your life. 
He said, but if you're teachable, you're willing to learn something from the person who picks up your garbage once a week and from the person who's the CEO of the company. You're willing to do that. And so what he says is, you know, really open up your notebook, whether it's electronic or whether it's a hard copy. Really, that's why we're encouraging people to to pick up one of these devotionals, because it's got a place for you to, to write down what God's been teaching you. And he says, listen, we all need to be teachable. So open your notebook and write down what you're learning. Because here's the deal. If we don't write down what we're learning, we'll forget what we're learning. We won't remember it the next day. So write down what you're learning. Be teachable. Be teachable. So never lose your gratitude. Take the low place. Open your notebook. And here's the fourth one. Maybe the most important one. Be ruthlessly honest about yourself with yourself and with God. Be ruthlessly honest with yourself and with God. And he tells this story. He said, you ever noticed how weeds pretty much don't need anything to grow in your lawn. You, you know, uh, you don't fertilize weeds. You don't water weeds. But if you want to have a nice, uh, a nice lawn, a nice green lawn, you fertilize it, you put weed killer down, uh, you water it, you do all the things you need to do to, go, to do it. He said, pride is like weeds. All right? Humility is like grass. You need to cultivate your lawn. You need to cultivate humility. You don't need to do anything to make pride spring up. It's just going to spring up like weeds do. So you need to be ruthlessly honest with yourself about yourself and with God about yourself. You know, ask God, is there anything within my heart, my life, my relationships that you want to pull the weeds out of? God, where can you cultivate me to have more of a heart like yours? Go to someone you trust and allow them to speak into your life about you. Ask them, do you see anything in my life that I need to deal with? Any attitude? Any um, presupposition that I have? Any any teaching about God that's not from God that I've sort of latched onto? Will you speak into my life? So it's those four habits of humble, you know, never losing gratitude, taking the low place, serving others, opening your notebook, really being teachable and being ruthlessly honest with yourself and with God about yourself. This morning, I think it would be important for us to spend some time with God and actually looking back at the scriptures today from James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. And and we're going to put all of the verses in one screen up behind me. And then this is what I'm going to invite you to do. We're going to spend several minutes just in quiet prayer and reflection. And so I'm going to ask you to do something that I've never asked you to do before. I'm not going to ask you to bow your heads. I'm going to ask you to look up at the screen. And I'm going to ask you to open your eyes. And I'm going to ask you to read and pray through those scriptures. Asking God to speak to you about this. 
So God, we come to you humbly. And as we pray through these scriptures, Lord, we ask that you would help us be wise and understanding, that you would help us uh, be humble, that you would help us deal with envy and ambition in our lives. Lord, that you would help us be able to follow you faithfully and, and embrace the habits of the humble, that you would help us understand that we can bear these good fruit. Father, we thank you for your love for us and for your word that encourages us. So, Lord, we, we ask that you would help us be like your son, Jesus, to be humble and faithful. Before we pray this in his name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.